To be a whistleblower is to step outside the great chain of being to join not just another religion, but another world. Sometimes it's other world is the margins of society. But the whistleblower feels like outer space. Those of you that aren't aware, that is, uh, what's his face? Uh, James O'Keefe. trying to get set up so this is right side broadcasting live and i'm uh, catching uh, part of day three of america fest i thought it would be worth the trouble to uh, do that kind of stuff today because well you know hey i'm good like that So I'm going to do a little talking and hopefully not bore the shit out of everybody while we're up on this. We got, some, we got the whistleblowers going. Damn right. Damn Skippy. James Kilkeefe was pretty awesome yesterday, or I think the other day, with this little uh, mockery of uh, Rachel Madcow. <laughs> He's having a good old time up there. He's got a, a press thing with a bulletproof press on. <laughs> He's fucking lit. <laughs> He's crazy. So am I, but he's he's really crazy. And he's been a hell of a journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Let's see if I can turn up the good volume a little bit. You're getting uh, off Project Veritas. <sighs> ProjectVeritasExperience.com. We're having a huge party and doing the full Project Veritas Experience January 29th in Miami. ProjectVeritasExperience.com. Thank you. Oh, is that it? He, uh, I caught it at the back end. Yeah, that, that's okay. For a generation of Americans to now believe that free speech and open discourse is evil is absolutely heartbreaking. Yes, it is. For many generations, that was often the only way that disenfranchised groups throughout history had at their disposal to convince the public of so, the of their cause. I'm going to turn this down for a second. So, welcome to my podcast today. I'm, uh, working on, uh, 
I don't know, a few hours sleep or whatever. So yesterday my uh, podcast got censored, but that's okay. That's that's the way shit rolls anymore. Uh, you know, if we talk about COVID or talk about vaccines, so YouTube sent me a little notification to let me know that that just isn't, that's just unacceptable. They don't like it when you talk. They don't like it when you talk out loud and, you know, point out Fauci's, uh, you know, you know, a beagle killer. And uh, obviously he's a, he's a guy who doesn't believe in therapeutics. He believes in vax, vax, vax all day, all night. You know, I should guess I should show him some, as I call this broadcast, goodwill towards men. Uh, I don't think he shows any goodwill towards any of us. And he's talking about, you know, we need, you know, you need to check, check the vaccine um, <laughs> uh, status of the people at your Christmas party, which is totally screwed up. But we're, they, we're going through this goat rodeo once again, another year, another goat rodeo that we're going through. And it's so, uh, it's so telling that this is continuing on despite all the things that, uh, we should have learned by now. You think after 18 months, libtards would figure out that, you know, this doesn't really get us anywhere. You would think after 18 months that, uh, or 20 months, I guess now, since March of 2020, it tells you how, so we're 20 months into this now. And you mean we haven't figured out how to deal with things, uh, you know, and 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 we know that vaccines never were going to work because there are there are vaccines for coronaviruses, and coronaviruses are highly adaptable. I'm going to repeat that over and over again until it gets through people's skulls that uh, that there's nothing you can do about a coronavirus. Remember, the common cold, the common cold. They've never they they said there was no cure for the common cold. However, there is. It's called zinc. It's called, <laughs> it's called if you use zinc uh, to get inside your cells, that that helps your uh, immune system. It helps your your cells to uh, fight off colds, and you have to have a way to enter it in. So now they have Sebastian Gorka up, and I'll let him talk a little bit because, you know, he's got a big head and he's got a big mouth, but that's good. We'll let him, let him roll for a little bit because he's probably a lot more sharper and intellectually superior to me, but that's okay. So I'll pull them up a little right, bit. Right, guys, this is something a little bit different. Uh, I know a lot of you from all the Turning Point events that Charlie and his amazing team have done over the years, but today is something special, and we've been waiting for this for a very, very long time. Charlie's organization, Turning Point USA, is the most important organization taking America back one campus, one school at a time. However, whilst you young ones are the future, we need all patriots to be engaged. So America Fest is the first of what I hope will be many events that gets everybody who bleeds American blood, who loves this country, to stand up and take it back. And to see 10,000 of you here, I, I'm just speechless, which is bad for a radio show host. Um, okay, so for you who don't know who I am, can I tell you a little story? I'm going to tell you a little story and then tell you why I walked on stage with this FedEx envelope. <laughs> FedEx. I don't usually do product placement. 
but what's inside it and what arrived at my house on Saturday, you need to hear about it. And I haven't told anybody. Not good. So, as you can tell from my deep Alabamian accent, I was not born here. I chose America. Not only did I choose the greatest nation on God's earth, I am a legal immigrant. I didn't get smuggled across the border, I didn't swim across a river, I didn't pay coyotes. I came here legally because I respect America. I've spent 13 years in this nation. I've served this nation. I became an American citizen nine years ago. And living, thank you, living what for me was unimaginable to literally live the American dream happened to me. January 21st, 2017 at 8 a.m. The day after the inauguration of President Donald J. Trump, it was a Saturday morning, everybody else was hungover, I don't drink, so I said, hey, it may be Saturday, but I'm now Deputy Assistant to the President, let's go to work. And I'm walking around the West Wing as a legal immigrant. That's America. That's Donald Trump. An amazing privilege doesn't get any better than that. That's right. So, I've served this nation multiple times. I spent five and a half years in the Defense Department as a professor of counterterrorism. When I did that, I swore an oath of office to become a DOD civilian. I did it the same day I was sworn in as Deputy Assistant for Strategy to the President. So. What happened to me on Sunday, or on Saturday afternoon, really hurt. And it's got to be I arrived home with my family. This is on my doorstep. I didn't even sign for it. This is how amateurish these people are. But I looked at it, and it's addressed to me. And it says, from the sender, Verizon Security Subpoena Compliance Department. Verizon Subpoena Security Compliance Department. I think I have an idea what this is. So I open it. It's one page from Verizon. And then there's multiple pages from the U.S. Congress. Verizon says the committee investigating January the 6th has requested my phone record. And I have 15 days to get a judge to stop them. Why did they do that? Because they're Why evil. Does Congress want a legal immigrant to 
it was deputy assistant to the president to have his text messages, his phone calls, and I mean everything. I mean everything. Let me just read to you what this illegal committee being access granted to it. And think about this for your phone and your family. They will have access to the telephone and instrument numbers of every phone on my account, which means my wife, which yep. means my children. It's a chilling effect. This is from Congress. MAC addresses, electronic serial numbers, mobile equipment identifiers, subscriber identity modules, SIM card, mobile subscriber identifiers, on and on, seven pages of my rights being negated. Why? Forget the fact that the committee is illegal because you're not allowed to investigate anything unless it has a legislative purpose. The Constitution is clear. There is no legislative purpose to Nancy's witch hunt. Of course not. There never and is. secondly... It's just secondly, a way to feed, feed their base of... Uh, of uh, People are deluded, cheap. Committee of Congress um, without both something to talk about. Parties designating members, both not fake conservatives, mm -hmm. not pro impeachment rhinos like <laughs> Kinziger and Cheney. Yeah. Cheney, the not war pig. Disgraces to the oath of office they took. Oh yeah. But people designated by their party leadership. Kevin McCarthy's nominees were rejected, which means this committee is illegal. Uh, yeah. But don't, not only that, and I don't talk about Kevin McCarthy too much there, uh, Sebastian. He isn't worth the shit. <laughs> Just saying. trying to flex our muscles and say that we are the, you know, we are, we're trying to make headway against these uh, authoritarian asshats, which are trying to destroy this country, uh, little by little, taking away freedoms. So I'll come back to Turning Point and uh, uh, this America Fest. Uh, it's day three. Uh, I, like anything else, I just want to play some snippets. So, uh, we're going to go, uh, Zero Hedge is like a good roundup of a lot of news, so it's always good. So, they're talking about the OSHA vaccine mandate heading to the Supreme Court, which I posted an article on my site about it, or posted the actual ruling decision that was uh, out of the Sixth Circuit that was two to one, and how the, how the decision was, uh, reached by uh, the one side so they just 
the majority says reckon uh, the majority began its decision recognizing that old normal is not going to return employers and employees have sought new models for workplace that will, that will protect the safety and health of employees who are in a living there in need of guidance on how to protect their employees from COVID-19 transmission while reopening. Employees turn to Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the federal agency tasked with ensuring a safe and health, health, healthful workplace. We are unaware of a single business in America that turned to OSHA with that question, what should we do? Uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's uh, Zero Hedge's analysis there. And that's right, or actually the Brownstone Institute. Nobody nobody went to OSHA and said, what shall we do? We've had, uh, quote-unquote, these uh, uh, viruses in our past that have circulated countless years and countless uh, uh, iterations endemically for going on who knows how many um, generations. Uh, and they come in patterns, per se. So one year, like influenza A, will be stronger than influenza B. See, they you state they've 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 named these uh, variants and variations, and they know they test and do all that kind of jazz, uh, determine this stuff. And this was no different from any of the other ones that have come through. And people uh, in 1968 and 69, the, they called it the the Kung flu or the curry, uh, you know, cause it, where it was originated, the Hong Kong flu. Uh, there's been one in, in the swine flu in 1976. Uh, there was an influenza out outbreak in 1957, 58. It was an influenza outbreak in the middle of world war two. And of course we know about the Spanish 1918, which was actually, uh, compounded by a bacterial, outbreak that came through the fact that uh, basically people didn't know how to handle uh, uh, certain uh, spreading. This has always happened. It, the reason why they used the 1918 scare tactic is so they could keep the sheep uh, constantly focused on death totals because people who are afraid of death, which seems to be, I mean, everybody is afraid of death, don't get me wrong, uh, but the hyper-focus on it keeping it in the front of your mind uh, stimulates your fear uh, uh, responses and therefore keeps keeps them in power and control because people will will keep on uh, uh, putting their mindset tied to that particular concept. It's amazing how people uh, operate and respond uh, in a psychological uh, situation based upon how they're being primed and uh, programmed. And they know this. Psycholo psychologists know this. Uh, doctors know this, or at least they should. I mean, doctors usually know how to call for a psyche valve when they're dealing with a patient that they think is uh, has a certain uh, situation. Of course, this new generation of doctors, say the ones that have come up since about 1995 or 2000, probably aren't as uh, astute, or certainly not as uh, they think they are. Uh, they're, they're, they're pharma, they're pharmacologists first and foremost, and they're probably, uh, they, they're good at uh, using tools that have been given to them by the engineering establishment or by, uh, these particular ones to, to handle doing surgeries and, and maintenance on people like doing knee operations. The thing is, is when you're given certain tools, people fall in love with their tools. 
So that's the reason why doctors fall in love with pharmacology, because it's easier to say, here, just take this pill. This will help your uh, diabetes or this will help your uh, cholesterol or this will help your whatever the case may be. It's easier to say, here, take this pill. And the only reason why they know to say take this pill is because of somebody uh, giving them that giving them that uh, that that particular tool in order to achieve that goal. So instead of going to any root cause, which many of many of the problems that most people have are psychological, neurological, um, and and obviously there's a physiological, but in a behavioral component, uh, there's a <clears throat> there was an excellent analysis done of this of uh, the healthcare system done by. Oh, he he passed away. His name is uh, Christensen. He was from Har uh Yeah, he was from Harvard University. I forget uh, forget his first name. I always mess him up with the uh, the guy, uh, <laughs> the guy from Star Wars. Anyway, um, but he talked about the behavioral. He he had a matrix tied to you know how people behave and and how the relationship uh, uh, with certain diseases. Uh, makes it hard or difficult to treat and he was just he he had put this together because a certain depending upon the severity of the disease uh the the ability to get people to do do what is necessary in order to treat their own symptoms is is indicative of that so being overbeat being overweight or obese most people won't work on that very well it's a behavioral thing if they would work on their behavioral cycle, there's plenty of treatments out there to get people to lose weight or certainly get better results. Uh, but most people don't find that particularly uh, useful to them uh, or they let the problem go on for 20, 30, 40 or, you know, basically till they die. Um, whereas something like uh, obviously the presentation of certain diseases like uh, autoimmune or AIDS uh, that might have a more... Uh, interesting outcome because people will uh notice that their their life expectancy is very short so they get afraid so then they're willing to do the behavioral adjustments in order to achieve their goal so this is what they've done with this particular situation uh they used the uh, they use the entire fear mongering to scare people into all kinds of asinine things including mask wearing uh, and thinking that lockdowns work, which they do not. Um, and for example, there's a there's a uh, article that was posted uh, from Sage. Uh, the guy the, the quote the quote is uh, fucking scandalous. So Sage modeler admits that they they don't model good outcomes for lockdown policymakers. Authored by Fraser Nelson Nelson of the, the Spectator. So the latest Sage papers have been published in, in, in envisioning anything from 200 to 6,000 deaths a day from Omicron, depending on how many more restrictions we'll get, up to and very much including another lockdown. Earlier today, I had an unexpected chance to ask questions of Graham Medley, the chair of the Sage Modeling Committee. <laughs> this ought to be interesting. So he's a professor at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine which is heavily funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, which last weekend published a study on Omicron with very gloomy scenarios and make the case for more restrictions. And when I say funded by uh, Gates Foundation, we're talking, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of a quarter billion dollars, just like the same thing with uh, the Imperial College out of, uh, 
uh, Great Britain. There's a lot of money going into these things. And Gates has controlled these little places. Like, no, he's got it wrapped around his little finger as well as Fauci. He's got Fauci wrapped around his finger. and Fa Or Fauci may have him wrapped around his finger. Because Fauci also controls uh, a substantial budget and therefore controls these doctors who are dipshits that are just going along to get along because they want to make sure they want to do their little analysis and they want to and we're not talking about paying for test tubes. We're paying for their nice little lifestyle and paying for their their uh, their uh, gr uh, grants to work on their crazy little schemes. So anyway, but J.P. Morgan Chase had a close look at this study and spotted something big all the way through. LSHTM assumes that Omicron variant is just as deadly as Delta, but evidence from South Africa suggests that Omicron infections are milder. J.P. Morgan pointed out in in a note to clients, adjust for this, it found, and the picture changes dramatically. Bed occupancy for COVID-19 patients at the end of January would be 33% of peak since January 2021. This would be manageable without further restrictions. Yeah, well, I'll, so J.P. Morgan had shown that if you tweak one assumption on severity, then suddenly no need for lockdown. There was no need for lockdown without that, but see... Here's another problem with this whole concept. So ever since this thing's gone on, uh, between lockdowns and restrictions on medical uh, procedures, and because all these all these doctors and nurses got all really really scared and thought they were going to die from this, and I know people say, well, if you had to deal with this, you would want to be like that too. It's like, did you think to treat yourself differently? Did you think to build your own immune system? Why is it doctors and nurses seem to have no concept about immune systems? At least some of them don't. Evidently, they, they've forgotten everything they learned. In, uh, they, they should have, have me beat by a hundred times over in terms of knowledge about their immune system and how to, how to measure it, how to keep it high, how to be able to uh, work through the, the situation. But, of course, you know, they, 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 you know, they believe the fear, fear born too. Because, you know, their amygdalas are probably even larger. You think after seeing gunshot wounds and seeing all kinds of crazy shit that goes on in, in hospitals, you think they'd figure this out. But of course, you know, you know, they chose, they chose that profession. They'd be better served if they would just say, okay, through telemedicine, they, they would have been better served to just say, we'll bring the medicine to your front doorstep and we'll tell you how to take it and then leave it up to people. If people really want to make something go away, they'll make it go away through their own accord. But, you know, who am I to say? I thought that would have been a good idea. But, you know, since we use Uber and everything else, why didn't we do that with medical things? See, I would have been doing a lot of out-of-the-box thinking in terms of this whole situation. But be that as it may, these people are just retarded. And they did it for other reasons. So why was that scenario left out? This is according to Argo. Why, why would this fairly important and ba fairly basic fact of Omicron modeling not presented by sage modelers like Professor Medley to ministers and to the general public? I was still for the chance to speak to him on Twitter. It was kind of him to make the time. He's still going as far as I can make out. The Spectator Data Hub has a page devoted to the past sage modeling versus actual. I wanted to make sure I was not being unfair to Sage in my selection or presentation of those charts. The latest Sage paper drop, you know, the 6,000 day, uh, deaths a day one, refers to scenarios, not predictions. 
Professor Medley emphasizes the distinction, saying something could happen is not saying that there's a realistic chance of it happening. Yes, if you were doing a modeling presentation, you would say, yes, the 6,000 day, uh, deaths a day could happen. The chances of it happening are like 1% or, you know, 0.5%. The chances of 200 deaths a day are 98%. The chances of 1,000 deaths a day would be maybe more like 50%. There would be a... Uh, uh, there would be a, a, you know, in other words, a 6,000 deaths a day is a black swan event. And of course, the black swan event may have a lot to do with the fact that you decide to treat it, treat it asininely. So, for example, you say, uh, we're not going to do any early treatments. We're not going to, we're going to lock everybody down, which of course, during the wintertime means everybody's going to be cooped up inside their house, which means they're going to be more inclined to uh, get it uh, from other people or uh, in close proximity. That's the reason why they say, oh, we don't want people gathering together. But what they really want is everybody isolated. And isolation has its drawbacks, too, because, of course, during wintertime, that's when people have depressions. That's when uh, a seasonal affect disorder kicks in and a host of other circumstances go on. You know, health is health is a, a very a dynamic situation. And, of course, these people aren't trying to look at this thing logically. They're trying to look at it illogically and irrationally. And they're responding irrationally. Uh, doctors who who think that they're very they they say well they they're just say they'll 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 position it as well I'm prioritizing this this and this and therefore you know I know what I'm talking about and you're just a buffoon and don't know anything. It's like no, <laughs> they obviously don't get it. They never will get it either. Some of them are so bought in or or sold out that they'll never get it. So. Anyway, <laughs> but why did but why did Sage Modelers publish some scenarios and not others? Graham Medley. Uh, these are tweets. Uh, the point being missed is these scenarios are not predictions. We can't predict what people are going to do over Christmas. Many people themselves are undecided, quote unquote. They are made made to support a decision to illustrate the possibilities and uncertainty. Yes. Hi, Graham Fraser Nelson did this. I guess the question is why did LSHTM did not, like J.P. Morgan, include a scenario of lower virulence given that this is a very plausible option that changes outlook massively. See below. Graham, what would be the point of that? <laughs> so so his response to a, a fair question is, what would be the point of that? Not a snarky question. Genuine to show what you think decision makers would learn from that scenario. Oh my God, what would they learn? They may learn how to understand modeling. How about that? <laughs> how about how about giving them giving them that instead of giving them the worst case scenario, which is always always going to be the the, the most damnable situation. Which you can and when you make decisions off damnable information like that, you're always going to make the worst decision. You're, it, of course, that's what they want. The politicians won't cover for their ass so that they can say. Well, I was just following. I was just following what somebody else told me. Some scientist who obviously doesn't understand policy making worth the fuck all. So anyway, uh, okay, Fraser Nelson. In the low variance scenario modeled by J.P. Morgan, no further restrictions would be needed, so harm to economy and society might be averted. Yeah, imagine that. Our economy and society. Now people will say it's all you guys care about is money. Uh, no, I care about food. I, f I care about supply chains. 
I care about people being able to act and behave fairly rationally in a situation where they should have been doing this from the get-go. We would have been long past this if everybody would have just gone about their business, tried to pre-treat as much as possible, realized that if this was really what it was, uh, it would have already blown through. Everybody would have caught it by now and we would have moved on with our lives. But of course, there's no power in in allowing that. We're two years into this now, <laughs> and there's no, and there no, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight unless you're, of course, a rational human being. The people at the very most susceptible to this were already going to be most susceptible to this, to this, no matter what, what time of the year, what day of the day. The older you get, the more susceptible you're going to become to this this particular uh, situation because, of course, your immune system declines if you get older, you know, above 50, above 60, above 70. Younger people are very, uh, very much allowed to uh, get through it. But, of course, now that they've thrown vaccinations in this scenario, you don't know what you really have, which was the beauty of it. That's the reason why they wanted to rush these out. So, anyway, Graham, Graham Medley. <laughs> Here's a funny thing. He says, uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's a, can I ask why you didn't think the less alarming why plausible scenario was worth including like yours? A genuine question. Graham Medley, you know the answer. That's what the paper says. If someone draws a line on a graph, it doesn't add any further information. Decision makers are generally only interested in scenarios where decisions have to be made. <laughs> Decision makers are generally on generally on only interested in situations where decisions have to it's such I don't even know what the hell that's supposed to mean <laughs> decision makers are supposed to be able to have nuance that's the way I <laughs> Frazier uh, Frazier Nelson responds back just like I just did I may be thick <laughs> I may be being thick. In other words, <laughs> he's like, "What? What am I missing here?" But I'm afraid I don't know the answer. Why would you not, for completeness, add the scenario where Omicron is less virulent and more restrictions are not needed? Graham Medley, I meant you know what happens. That scenario doesn't inform anything. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what do you mean? Oh my god! It doesn't inform anything. You don't you don't pick the absolute worst case scenario. You you have a gradation and you adjust to that gradation based upon. I mean, if you don't have the information that continues to inform towards that scenario, then you don't. That isn't that isn't what you change. Of course, they'll say, well, policymakers have to make that decision immediately. It's like, uh, have they made any decision immediately that's ever worked? And then when they make it post hoc, it's it or make it in in a way that's after the fact. It's never helpful. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it says decision makers don't have to decide if nothing happens. Fra Fraser Nelson, thanks. This helps me understand. So you're so your exclusively modeled bad outcomes that required restrictions and omit just as likely outcomes that would not require restrictions. In other words. It, it's biased towards having restrictions always and forever. Graham Medley, 
we generally model what we are asked to asked to model. <laughs> There's a dialogue in which policy teams discuss with the modelers what they need to inform their policy. Okay, so you're asked to model bad Omicron outcomes and make no comment as to their probability. Reg, <laughs> Reg, the some guy, rando, rando guy. This entire exchange has left me open mouth to think all the livelihoods at stake stake here, mainly because they don't see the need to model accurate outcomes as if it will not make the government take any action. Fucking scandalous. <laughs> Graham Medley, the guy who did it. We model the scenarios that are useful to decisions. <laughs> these people are crazy. They are absolute. These these scientists are the are the worst cases of idiot idiots in the entire world. Sebastian Sebastian Gorka is still still talking. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm trying to uh, <laughs> it 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 just it just it just boggles the mind of somebody who is a scientist. He, he thinks he's he thinks he's being witty and when I say witty that he is being insightful and intelligent. He acts as if no one's ever done any modeling. Like I've done modeling. I, I'm not bragging or anything, but yeah, I've done a modeling, not in this regard, but I actually did a simple model in early stages of this to kind of come up with how I would think that they would come up with an actuality uh, in terms of worst case scenarios. But for example, you know. I had to do a modeling assignment regarding a warehouse, and they had a labor standards. I might have mentioned this the other day, uh, but yeah, each each scenario that was presented to me for each particular area of this warehouse, there was five different regions that had to do with the product that was inside each one, and each one had a, a labor pro, labor standards profile based upon the the type of material that you picked in there in, toward, in terms of cases. So you're allotted a certain amount of time per case to put the put on a pallet. Allotted a certain amount of travel time for travel distances based upon how the warehouse was laid out, and a certain amount of time for how you uh, set up your pallets. So that gave a predictive uh, a number for cases per hour. Because the system itself, the actual system, uh, didn't break it out like that. In other words, it just lumped everything together, and so our uh, Management didn't really understand that because you know they saw okay for example the 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 goal uh, so for example if it said actual hours versus the standard hours uh, and and it had a case rate so if you had a million cases picked in a day uh, or a million a million cases picked in a day it was more like two hundred two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand depending upon the volume but in a week say a million cases had to be picked. Well, if you pick 200 cases an hour, then you know how many hours you needed to to uh, uh, labor you needed. So you need 5,000 hours of labor. So you know how what your manpower re requirements were for case selection. That is based upon that standard number. But the problem was is that it only gave you a, a overall gross in turn. It didn't tell you how many people you needed in each particular area. So my goal or my job was to know how much what the differential was between dairy versus deli versus meat packing versus the frozen area versus uh, produce. So that was, those were the particular areas. So I created a model based upon what I knew. And then, then see, I had to see what percentage uh, differential was from the actual number that was generated off the system. 
and my my goal was to always get it down to about one one percent. Some day, some weeks it would be two percent off one way or the other. Uh, some days, some weeks it was spot on. I mean, uh, and I I would also know based upon that I could see what the variation was, and and what, there was also other factors like exception percentage, which is the number of cases that were missed on the first pass because the difference between your regular picking run in, in a warehouse environment versus an exception run it, it had to do with the number of trips that you were making and that the exception trips would obviously have far less cases like you might only have to go back and pick five or six cases but you're getting all the travel distance there and your case rate per hour was going to be substantial difference anyway i'm getting into the weeds with that but the point being is is there there was a model to be put together and i was modeling uh the performance output the reason why so then you could come up with a uh a labor profile so you you come up with results but you would but even with that i had to come up with a uh a best case or worst case scenario because exception rates change from week to week and products change from week to week um I had a person who uh, changed the cube out rate on uh, a particular area. And when I say cube out rate, so a typical pallet was 65 cube in, in the one particular area and somebody knocked it down to 60. Um, and because of that, then it generates more trips and reduces your uh, case rate per hour. So that would change the model. In the same way with here, based upon your performance of uh, the performance of Omicron, the uh, the 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 mortality rate. If you know it isn't generating a mortality rate above delta, obviously that's going to change your change your outcomes and results. And if if for example your lethality rate is, you know, yeah, the the spread rate may be seven, but if your lethality rate is point zero five percent, I mean we're talking minuscule. When uh, I think uh, the alpha variant was like 0.27 or 0.29% uh, lethality, about twice the, twice the twice the lethality lethality of influenza, which is usually about 0.15%. Uh, so those things make a difference. And that's the whole point of this. Uh, and to have somebody say that that doesn't make any difference or act like it doesn't <laughs> is just amazing. So. Uh, to pivot, I'm only talking about this in goodwill towards me. I'm supposed to have goodwill towards these uh, people. Uh, it's harder and harder to find goodwill for them because they don't have any goodwill towards us. So more more European countries impose travel curbs as regulators green light Nova Novavax jab. Oh, by the way, Novavax is another thing that's funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, you can find it in the United States. I think they got about 240 or 250 million dollars in and grants from uh, the Gates Foundation. So, yeah, once again, you see Gates is really close by on it on on a new vaccination that's been approved. So anyway, uh, so Germany's doing their thing. They're they're being their authoritarian self. UK, of course, uh, this is due to travel. They're creating travel resistance right at the holidays. See, they're trying to destroy all. Uh, these are Marxists. These are people who don't believe in God. Um, they're atheistic. They're communistic, and they're fail uh, nihilistic. <laughs> Pretty much, and 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 they just enjoy punishing people. They want to destroy the goodwill of men. They want to get people to be miserable. 
it's like they it, it, how anybody ever lives in these places and thinks that it is good to be socialist is just beyond me because socialism brings nothing but misery to everybody everybody has to be dull uh there's no motivation to improve yourself i mean they really want that i mean that's that's kind of the the goal it seems like is they want everybody to be just as miserable as they are um and, and the only people that benefit, of course, are the are the government officials and their technocrats. And when I say they're the only ones that benefit, say they enjoy that. That's what they want. They hate other people. They truly despise the people that they supposedly rule over. Why? Because they don't like to be they don't like to be picked at because they're just in incredibly narcissistic and and I would say there's a very very high propensity of psychopathy amongst uh, the leaderships of the world probably 10 to 20 times the amount that you find in the normal population. So the normal population is about 1%, maybe 2%. I'd say amongst politicians, it's upwards of 20 to 40% actual psychopathy. Uh, of course, they don't want, they, of course, you know, no psychologists out there, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, you're just, you're being wildly over, you know, over-exaggerating or some shit, you know. Obviously, you know, and if you go look at the professional uh, what they, what most of the psychologists of the world, uh, what their donations to political campaigns are, you'd find that most of them donate uh, to at least the left, if not the hard left. So it's almost uh, self. Uh, you almost wonder who who they are. <laughs> and as many people who've ever dealt with a lot of psychologists, they're 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 a bag of cats. So you have to take them with a grain of salt. Uh, but. So yeah. Anyway, so uh, Germany's doing their restriction thing. The Dutch government they got a restriction to January fourteenth. Uh, Ireland is introducing a eighteen or a, uh, you know uh, eight o'clock curfew, local curfew. Well, they I call it uh, you know twenty hundred. So curfew for pubs and restaurants starting Monday after the government rode back on. Uh, Recommendations from health experts to order hospitality venues to shut down at uh, 1700 Eastern or ET. Um, anyway, um, it, Italy's health minister this weekend told regions to strengthen measures to man, manage the epidemic. <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, they, 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 these people are, uh, you know, it, it, even if they're just stupid and they just don't understand anything. They always reach for the hammer. They never know how. They don't know nuance. They don't understand. And they'll say, well, I have to, you know, I have to prove that I'm willing to do anything to stop this. Well, you know, by now, if if people haven't figured out that the governments have been doing everything they can to destroy your uh, lives and your economy and your ability to cope with this. And the best way to cope with this is to ignore this shit. Now, I'm talking about it a lot, but. Uh, there's so much more to talk about, but uh, <laughs> they keep this in everybody's front of their minds. But most of these people aren't aren't even smart enough to figure out that you know by continuing to focus on on using the same tools, you know it's it's a, a sign of being crazy. You know, reach for lockdowns, reach for vaccinations, reach for masking, tell everybody to be socially distant, and yet here we are, twenty months into this shit. And it's the same bullshit that you got when you started this. How many times do you have to go through this bullshit before you figure out, hmm, this is all either 
the either either these are the most massively incompetent human beings on the face of the earth, which they kind of are, or the the whole dynamic is is that they're being controlled and they just do whatever the hell they're told, and they they are just enforcing it on us because you know there's a higher there's a larger objective, which there is. Uh, you know, both things actually can be true, and many people don't want to uh, won't won't admit that because uh, you know. Obviously, not all these politicians are the are the highest IQ, but they also many of them are leftist authoritarians, and they love power, and they can't can't let it go. You never see them anyway. There's a bunch of different uh, um, what do you call it uh, tweets that they've linked to. Uh, I'll put these in later. And then there's an article on investment losses, bull markets, and why we repeat our respect uh, mistakes. Sorry, I can't even. Uh, I'm just rambling at this point, but uh, so yeah, there's a bunch of different reasons why people can't don't ever look at the market in a, in a proper way. Um, you know, loss aversion, narrow framing, anchoring, uh, mental accounting, lack of diversification, hurting, regret, media response, optimism. So, and they say during bull, bull market advances, hurting, lack of diversification, and anchoring are the most common problems. These behaviors tend to function together and compound investor mistakes. Bull markets hide investor mistakes. Bear markets expose them, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, because hurting, you know, going whatever with the direction of whoever, you know, you know, oh, look at that's the new hot thing, so let's follow it. Lack of diversification, you know. If you only got your eggs in a couple of baskets and guaranteed they're all going to get cracked. Whereas if you have, you know, uh, for I know that's the reason why people say, well, that's why I invest in an ETF and this and that. And the other thing, it's like, okay, you know, how diverse, some people think they're over, they're diversified and then they find out how little they've actually diversified. Of course, nowadays, like as I pointed out, being that most of these companies are owned by BlackRock, State Street, and, uh, Vanguard, how much diversification do you really have unless you know who who, who owns the, the people that owns these particular corporations? Of course, these are blue chip. Smaller, smaller investment, uh, you know, large investments in smaller companies that happen to have a, a unique product might be your better bet, but then most people don't look at, don't look at the small caps very well because they look at those as easily, easily can go out of business based upon one particular functional problem they may have. But that's the reason why you're supposed to do your due diligence and invest, uh, look into companies. And don't don't worry, I am not a, a, a investment advisor. I'm just speaking based upon my experience and in my education. Some of that comes from that. The idea is, uh, yeah, you should do your due diligence. That just makes common sense, and then uh, determine whether what your risk ap- appetite for that particular uh, company. And then determining what you know, the more you know about a company, the better better served you are in order to make a good, uh, rational uh, uh, investment. And they may not they may not turn out to be a very good uh, short term investment. In other words, the problem is is we have many people that love to get into the market and they want to buy and sell, buy and sell. They love day trading. They love uh, they love the they love the juice. They love the game. They love casinos. That's what they basically boils down to. They love making bets. They like bets and they want quick payoffs. They don't really want to stay for they're not a long term they can't 
they can't see a time horizon of five or ten years. They see a time horizon of one one to two hours or some crazy shit like that. So, you know, if your time horizon is, you know, I have to make money really quick, well guess what? You're probably there's a there's a whole bunch of investment opportunities out there where you can make money real quick. But you know what? You also are going to have huge downsides, so you better be able to fucking uh, handle that reality, and that's usually what the problem is. Is most people, they they talk about how they you know they love playing playing the game of risk, and except when they get their asses kicked, then they then they really 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 cry like SOPs. So you know you better know what you're you better know what you're willing to do, uh, as far as that's concerned. So I'd say they're going back to America Vest, and they got a new guy on stage. I forget, uh, I don't know who this guy is. I guess I can pop, pull him up. Uh, let me see who he is. I I just am in, interfering with my own broadcast, but let's see what where they're at. So. What a loser! Lip Simba sucks. <laughs> do we like Lip Simba or do we want Red Pill Simba? Red, yeah. Yeah. All right. Talking about. Did that work? Did that like metaphor work? Metaphor. Yeah. I asked some libs, I showed this to some libs, and I said, what, does this work? Simba's right wing, right? And they said this. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> showed the, the picture of the girls that went batshit crazy. They're always mad when, like, Ruth Bader, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, passed away. They, they, they. <laughs> The girls start screaming and yelling about, because, oh, you know, that's just what they do. Yeah, TikTok it probably brings out the worst in people. <laughs> just saying. Uh, really, there isn't too much else. I mean, I can, uh, I could talk about the craziness of my own, uh, deal. Uh, when I say deal, my, uh, recent, uh, censorship, which is no big deal. I mean, really, uh, the people that like to do the censorship are just, uh, uh, they're just authoritarian idiots. Remember when, uh, YouTube and Facebook, you know, when they first came on, on board in the mid 2000s, like 2005, 2006, you know, oh, we're libertarian. We love, we want to be the marketplace for the future. We want, we want everybody to be, we want everybody to be cool here, bro. You know, you, you know, it used to be a, loosey goosey and you know we're not here to you know bust your nuggets we you know we we want a debate we want a discussion yeah see how that's turned out ever since about 2016 as soon as they didn't win politically they turned they took their ball and went home and they said "Ooh, we're going to get these conservatives we're going to get these people that think they can you know speak out of turn and ever since especially ever since 2020 kicked over they really turned up the heat on on censoring people because they just don't they these are joyless human beings if they don't get what they want, which is you know probably at this point you can see it on their faces, you can see it in their actions, and you can probably go look at who they they kiss ass uh whose asses they kiss and whose people who they think they can control you know they're trying to control d c so d c tries to control them and they try to uh try to make money off China and China turns around and kicks them in the teeth and tells them they don't want them. Uh, 
I feel sorry for Silicon Valley idiots because they think they're smart. They think they're really, really smart. A lot of them are. Don't get me wrong, but they're they have a narrow channel of ability, and they they think because of their very high IQ that they expands, you know, that their their philosophy and their their intellectual horsepower is going to get them uh, get them through everything. A lot of them are uh, just as easily suckerable as anybody else is. Uh, it's kind of a sad reflection on where they're at. So this guy is doing a presentation here. I'm not going to uh, go back to him. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the day in the broadcast. So I appreciate it talking uh, uh, to all you that, you know, listen. I think I think the key, key motivation... Uh, for all of us going forward is to uh, you know try to make the best of the holiday season um, try to find um, try to find some good answers inside ourselves inside our own uh, uh, situations um, when I say inside our own situations we need to you know really deep do a deep dive on who we are um, and how, how we're going to uh, go forward because a lot of what's going on is going to require us to to face you know you know some harsh realities of ourselves uh, where we live uh, who we know and try to develop good working relationships and good and uh, a whole host of uh, workarounds uh, the more workarounds you have the more likely it is you'll survive uh, and by survive, I mean survive and, and hopefully thrive. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they, they, they right now they're not thriving. Uh, I'll be the first. I'll be the first to admit I should turn this down. Sorry, uh, I have my volume back. <laughs> anyway, there's an ability to do this. It's just going to take a little bit of uh, effort on all our parts to to uh, find the best things that work for us. Uh, and find goodwill towards men and women, of course, and try to pick out things that that work well for us and things that we can uh, can can uh, in, deploy in our own lives. Um, I appreciate the people I've met in the last uh, year or so. Um, it was interesting today. I sent out cards to four different states that I normally never had any interaction with. Uh, one was in Idaho, the other one was in California, uh, a third was in Colorado, and the uh, fourth was in North Carolina. And I, I don't really know anybody in those particular four states before today, or um, not before today, but, you know, had never sent much of anything to those places. So I'll end with this. God bless the United States of America, and God bless the world, and uh, Merry Christmas, and hopefully I'll have a broadcast before uh, before Christmas. But if not, have a good good day.